Please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We are doing a series on spiritual warfare, and I'm taking each piece of armor separately. I am not rushing through them. In fact, if we were to put these in sets, we would have a set basically for each piece of armor. And I want it that way because sometimes people need one piece more than another because that's where things are not working out really well. So they may have their breastplate of righteousness on really well. They may have their belt of truth on really well. But their shield might have holes in it. Okay, so if they need that, well, this is what they need. So they are going to need to be able to go to something, not just one lesson, but several that they can just listen because faith comes by hearing and hearing. Amen? And you need to hear and hear. You can't just hear once and go, yeah, I got it. Doesn't work that way. Because this is a living word. Every time you hear it, you get more revelation. You get more insight. Amen? And so, let me read in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. The Apostle Paul is writing here and he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. That's a lot of stuff to wrestle with. Amen? Therefore, he says, Take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having showed your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all, not some, all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, we're talking about the shield of faith, and we understood from 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, the Apostle John wrote there and said, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Now, we need to understand that faith, that shield of faith has the power to overcome everything. Do you understand? That's the reason why he said, above all, taking the shield of faith. It has a power that is protective beyond all the other pieces of armor that you have. Okay, so if you forget your helmet and you forget your, you know, your belt and you forget your breastplate and your shoes and everything, you can hide behind this. Remember, it's the size of a door, basically. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, the Apostle Paul writes here, he says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. This is the way we can get to the place of having this invincible, indestructible faith. It begins by hearing. Before you hear, you have no faith. Do you know a lot of people don't have faith for a lot of things because they've never heard the Word of God regarding it? Even in the natural, that's true. People used to be afraid of flying because they didn't understand how that worked. They'd look at this massive piece of machinery and go, how the heck does that get off the ground? And so, because they had no idea, they had no faith. Of course, if you went to flying school and you learned about the law of lift and all of those things, then you go, oh yeah, I know how that works. 
But is the pilot competent? No. <laughs> okay. right. But the way you gain this faith is by hearing. Now, one of the things I don't want you to do is go, Oh, brother, I don't have that faith. No, no, no. All that means is you just need to hear more. The faith that you have right now, you're not locked into. Can I say this? It is constantly changing in both directions. In other words, we must focus on God's Word, not the problem. We're going to look at that today. We must focus on God's Word, not the problem. Okay? This is what's brought out in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 23. It says, My son, give attention to my words. Give attention to my words. Not the doctors, the lawyers, and everybody else. Give attention to my words. Okay? Now you can listen to them to know what to pray about. But at the end of the day, pay more attention to what God says. Because if they give up on you, if the world gives up on you, and you think that's the end of it, you give up on yourself. The Creator can fix anything if we allow Him to. Okay. So He says, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. It's sad how we incline our ears to everybody else and what they say. Be careful what you're exposing yourself to. Verse 21. <laughs> he says, do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. I want you to notice what you see and what you hear finds its way into your heart. And Jesus said, if you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe the things which you say will come to pass, Mark eleven twenty three, you will have what you say. So, if your heart is having problems, can I say that the problem isn't your heart, the problem is your eyes and your ears. Uh, watch what's going in. Because whatever is going in is being deposited in your heart. And when the time comes and you need something, we'll know. These signs follow those who believe. If your eyes and your ears haven't been doing the right thing, you won't believe there won't be any signs. We'll know. We won't judge. We'll just know. Okay. <laughs> and he says here, For they are life to those who find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it, keep your heart with all diligence. Get it? For out of it spring the issues, the forces of life. All the different areas of your life are affected by this one thing. It's only by doing this can we get to a place where we truly walk by faith and not by sight. That's 2 Corinthians 5.7. And can successfully keep our eyes on and focus on those unseen eternal things. That's spoken of in 2 Corinthians 4.18. That bring about the changes we are looking for in this temporary, changeable, natural realm. If you put this into action, it will change. If you don't, it will stay the same. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, one of the problems, remember Proverbs said, pay attention to my words, don't let them depart from your eyes. One of the key things that motivates us is what we look at. What we look at is where we head towards. Whatever you put your focus on, that's where you're going. If you focus on failure, that's where you're going. If you focus on, I can do all things, that's where you're going. Will you be able to do all things right now? Probably not. But you get there. That's right. Okay? A lot of people, their mouth is their worst enemy. That's right. Because they're looking in the wrong direction, they speak all the wrong things, and they get there, and then you know what they say? See, I told you. 
Oh, great, you prophesied your doom and you're thrilled about it, you know. Don't do that to yourself. Notice the writer of Hebrews says, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, love to preach on that, we don't have time. He says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance or patience the race that is set before us. Look at this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That's where your focus needs to be. Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of your faith. Some days you just need the author there. Some days you need to be looking at Him and say, Lord, and He says, it's okay. It's still up. In Romans 10.17, we find that it is only as we repeatedly hear God's Word that it is received and revealed. Received and revealed. You don't need to just receive the Word, you need it revealed to you. Do you understand what revelation means? Revelation is the ability to see how the Word applies to your situation and how it will get you out. There's a lot of revelation out there. A lot of people that say, well I did this and this is how it worked. And you go, woohoo, hallelujah, praise God for you brother. But what they need to do is see that and go, hey, I can do that. This can work for me. And it's only as you begin to understand that, will it begin to work for you. So much of the time, the reason that we want to get people saved, so to speak, okay, isn't really to get them saved, it is to get them connected to God. That's why I'll keep saying that this is not a religion, this is a reality. What we do here isn't a religion. So what you need to understand, and you need to get this, because sometimes we all get religious. When we get religious in our brain, this doesn't work. Okay, The whole point, that's the reason why Jesus went to one of the greatest religious leaders of his time, Nicodemus. Remember? John chapter 3. And to this man who we could assume did everything right that he knew to do right. Loved the Word of God. He defended Jesus Christ as well. So you know, you know, sure he came at night, but Jesus, he was there at the end. Okay? So we know that there was a genuine faith there. And to him... Jesus could have said, wow, man, you're doing everything right. You're going to heaven, dude. Okay? He turns around and he says to Nicodemus, you must be born again from above. Which threw Nicodemus into a spin and he goes, I don't think my mother's going to go for that. <laughs> you know, beside that she did. <laughs> okay? But, but he asked that. He said, can I enter into my mother's womb again? Jesus said, no, no, no. You know, he said, listen, man, that's not what I'm talking about. This is how you get into the kingdom. This isn't about religion. This is about kingdom. This is about you being restored to the original place that I designed you to be. And God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion and subdue the earth, which means learn everything about it. When I come and test you on science, you should know everything. He tested Job. He failed. You know, Job chapter 38. You know all those science questions? Job failed every single one. Didn't subdue nothing. Come on guys, you need to understand something. God intended for us to understand everything. But He never intended for us to, to understand it from an evolutionary background, because that's not true. In fact, everything today points in the other direction. Everything. Do you know, food manufacturers count on the fact that food doesn't evolve. Because when they put something in a giant, they seal it, and it's organic matter... It better not have something walking out when you open it. 
Do you know the food industry banks on the fact that evolution is a lie? Did you know that? Eh, something for you to think about. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. Getting back to this. We need to understand that this, the whole reason for us being born again is so that we can lock in to this power. That we can look unto Jesus, the author, the finish of our faith. That we can have a shield of faith when we need it. Not a shield of religion. Somebody amen that one, please. Because people hide behind their religion. It doesn't work. This is a shield of faith. It is based on God Himself. Amen? Remember again, this was, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. So, it is only as we allow this word then, once we have that connection and allow that word into our heart, will it start making a difference. Because we are connected to the person that designed all of this, put it into motion, told us how it works, and now it's up to us to work the thing. Amen. Alright. In Psalm 119 and verse 11, it says here, Your word I have hidden in my heart. Now he needed that for this reason. He says that I might not sin against you. So David needed that word in his heart, not to move a mountain, but to not sin. The important thing in this is to understand that the word in your heart is what gives you strength to do whatever you need to do. That word will do anything and everything. But it needs to be in your heart in order to work. The word in your heart is the most powerful shield of faith you can ever hope to have. William Hendrickson explains how this shield works best. He writes, Only by looking away from self to God is it possible to repel the shower of flaming arrows. Things looked thoroughly hopeless to Jairus, When his servants arrived with the announcement, Your daughter is dead, do not bother the teacher anymore. But Jesus answered, Fear not, only believe. But faith is more than a weapon. We'll look at that story in just a minute. Faith is more than a weapon, he goes on to say. It is also the victory that overcomes the world. That was 1 John 5.4. Surely this shield must be taken up in addition to everything else. Now, what I'd like to do is go to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, and we're going to go from verses 41 through 56. I know it's a lot of verses, but we won't preach on a lot of it there. I just want to bring some things out with regard to this shield of faith, with regard to the darts. Okay? It says here, and behold, Luke eight forty-one, And behold, there came a man named Jairus. He was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. First dot. See, these dots will come in words and circumstances. So the multitudes are thronging him. If you were Jairus, now can you be honest with me? Don't get all saintly on me now, okay? Be like you are on Monday. Okay. So <laughs> all right. Your daughter is sick. She's on the verge of death. You find Jesus. That was hard enough. And you go and ask him to come. And there's a whole crowd getting in the way. What would you do? I would just get everybody out of the... I would plow the road, baby. I'd just say, get out of the way! He come into my house, get out of the way! Deal with it later. If you're not dying, we'll come back to you. You know, some usher duties. (laughs) Okay? Come on. Are you all with me? Okay? So here's the first dart. Okay? Now comes the second dart. Verse 43, now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years. Can't you wait another 10 minutes? 
Never mind. Okay. <laughs> Come on now. Okay. Don't do this to me. All right. Stay with me. Okay. All right. 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. Hallelujah, thank God we don't have to stop for her. Oh no, but Jesus doesn't do that. And Jesus said, who touched me? Jairus said, who cares? No, he didn't say that. But <laughs> that's what I would be thinking, I don't care. Somebody touch you, who cares? Let's go, daughter dying, move, move. Yeah, hello, you'd be pushing the preacher along. You know what I'm saying? You know, just preachers, man, they can't keep their mind on one thing. No, <laughs> okay. And so, <laughs> Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitude is strong and press you, and you say, who touched me? If I was Jared, I said, go, uh-huh, uh-huh. Listen to the disciples. Who cares? Move on. But Jesus said, no, somebody touched me. For I perceive power going out of me. Now, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She, de- she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. The woman told her story. Jairus, can you hurry up? You know, ladies can make a long story longer. <laughs> not saying that she did, I'm just saying... The woman's been a long time sick. She had told him how all the physicians came and how nothing worked and how she heard of Jesus. And you know that morning she was lying in bed and thinking, hmm, what? You know, you know what I'm trying to say? And Jairus is like, hurry up lady. You got yours. I need mine. Move it. You know, it's very interesting that Jairus wasn't angry because that would have just canceled everything right there. Now, he might be frustrated, but he's not saying anything. Bless his heart, okay? And Jesus said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So, I want you to now notice how many darts have come against Jairus. The multitudes thronging him. The woman touching him. The woman telling her story. That's a dart in itself. That's a big one, okay? And then, <laughs> I, I love you women, okay? I'm just playing with you, all right? Us men can talk too, all right? <laughs> when we're finished, then we all have to go. No, anyway. <laughs> I won't go there. All right, so, went there, did that, let's move on. All right, verse 49. And while he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying, this is another dart, your daughter is dead, do not trouble the teacher. Dart number four. That one was to take him down. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, Do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. Didn't say there's a good possibility. If she she ain't stinking yet, we might be able to get her up. You know, we look for all these natural reasons why it can and can't happen. Don't ever look for a natural reason when you're using the supernatural power of God to do something. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? It doesn't matter whether it's a minute, an hour, or a day. With Lazarus, it was three days. And you know, the family was saying, (laughs) it's probably smelling now, let's not go there. I don't have that much Glen 20. Okay, whatever. Alright? Verse 51. When he came into the house... He permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and mother of the girl. Verse 52. Now all wept and mourned for her. Dart number five. That's a dart. You need to get that. That is a dart. 
seeing everybody weeping and mourning and everything adds to the reality of what is going on. It is another dart in you to say, this is how it is. Don't expect it to change. But he said, don't you love Jesus? He says, do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. How to remove a dart? And they ridiculed him. Well, excuse me, I thought they were all weeping. Knowing that she was dead. Verse 54. But he put them all outside. I love that verse. It's like, out. Everybody, out. Now. No more darts. We're not going to allow the enemy to use anything further in this. You need to see all of these things as darts in your shield. So, verse 54 again. But he put them all outside, took her by the hand, and called, saying, Little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned. She rose immediately, and he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Let's just stop there. Jairus had reason to doubt. When they came and said, Don't bother the master. Your daughter is dead. Jairus could have taken that and gone, Oh, you know what? Don't worry about it, Jesus. He had to stay and talk about this woman's situation and blah, blah, blah. Now the daughter's dead. Forget about it. We so much of the time lose our miracle because we get offended. Because Jesus didn't come in time. Because he didn't work to our timing. Because you understand it is too late now. Had you come a bit earlier, that was Mary and Martha's thing. Remember about Lazarus? They said, oh Lord, if you only came a bit earlier. Offense, offense, offense. Maybe you could have done something, but you know what? He's dead now, so forget about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> That's what the Shulankman would do. Okay, no. <laughs> but, no, maybe not. But you, you understand what I'm trying to say. All right? We just get that way. Don't get offended because it's never too late with God. Maybe with man, but with God it's never too late. You need to understand this, that whatever is done can be reversed. Even if they die, they can be brought back to life. Now we're still getting there, but it's there. Do you understand? In Genesis chapter 3, I want to take you back there very quickly because this is the law of beginnings. This is where everything started. And I just, I want to take two minutes there because we are running out of time. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The first thing that the devil does is question you about what God said. Whenever we are looking for an answer, we go to God's Word. We find the answer, the devil questions it. That's why faith comes by hearing and hearing, not just hearing once, because there's a devil there to cause you to doubt the first time around. Yeah, but that, will that work for me? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. So the woman's going, You know what? The Lord said, don't eat it. I reckon we shouldn't even touch it. It's okay to be more careful than not. Okay, so she said, you know what? Let's not touch it even. Because if you don't touch it, then you won't do anything with it. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. See, first he questioned God's word. Then he actively comes against it. First he says, are you sure that that's going to heal you? And the next thing you'll hear is, that's not going to heal you. You're going to die. You need to understand this. These are the darts that come at you. And he says then, for God knows 
And say a lie now, absolute lie. That in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now what's wrong with that statement? And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, let them have dominion. They're already that. They didn't need to eat stuff to become that. They were already that. So He lies to you about what you already have as well. And says, He, you don't have that. God's not that generous. The number of times that God has blessed you with something, it's already yours, you just need to claim it, and the devil has talked you out of it. It is very sad. Are you getting a, a picture here? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. As we bring this to a conclusion, I have one more scripture after this, and we're done. I want to show you something extraordinary. Are you ready? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. He says, Who through faith are shielded by God's power. Who through faith are shielded by God's power. He's talking about you. What we find is that there is an unseen connection between the power of God, raising Jairus' daughter from the dead, remember that? And the operation of faith, the faith that Jairus had in Jesus. When these two are working hand in hand, they build a wall of defense against the tactics of the enemy that is impenetrable. Your faith, God's power, builds this wall. Are you all with me? In other words, when the power of God and faith come together, they become a shield to the believer. One of the things that happens is as you begin to believe. See, a lot of times we already have a whole bunch of darts in us. Okay, a whole bunch of flaming arrows in us. And we think, well, you know, what's the point of erecting the shield of faith when all of this has happened? Remember, this is a spiritual picture. This is not natural. It's natural as far as the protection and to give you an idea. But let me show you what happens when you begin to focus, meditate, and confess the Word of God over your life. And declare it. Okay, Your, con- your confession allows you to meditate upon it. Your declaration is when you are assured of it and it allows it to come out. You all, you all understand? Okay. So, that's a whole other series. Anyway. As you begin to hear and hear the Word of God, whatever arrows have been buried in you, listen now. See if you can visualize this because it will really help you. Faith is the shield. As you develop your faith, a shield begins to build inside of you. It starts in your heart. Watch now, okay? And then what happens is, as you begin to understand this truth, as you begin to trust God, that shield begins to push outward. And it grabs all the arrows and pulls them out and pushes them out of you. And so it just removes everything that has already lodged itself in you. And you get to the place where it becomes separate from you. That's what the shield can do. So regardless of how much you've been damaged, this shield, if you hear and hear and put your focus on the word, something will begin to build that will then not just strengthen you, but will push everything that has been damaging you out of you. It's almost like a force field. And it will push it all down, and then it will leave it there. Arrows that hit your shield don't damage you. The ones that make it through, that's what damages you. So if you're being damaged, your shield ain't working. But when your shield is working, it's almost like you hear the sounds. They could be calling you all sorts of bad things, but you don't hear the words. You don't take it to heart. That's your shield at work. What's interesting is that the Romans had a system. I've talked to you about this before, so let's finish with this. 
of locking their shields together for their corporate defense against their enemy. So they would actually lock all these big shields and it would literally become like a wall. And then they would start to do something very interesting. Not only would they protect them and be a shield now, they would start to advance. So they would take their shields and start to attack the enemy. What does that tell us? One can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. As we lock our shields together and we begin to believe together, that corporate faith begins to do something. That's why the Bible says, pray for one another. Because when one is being attacked, ten can pray. And so, if, even though the enemy is coming at you two or three different ways, all your prayer warriors are coming against him. God knows how many ways. He'll give up. Because you'll be keeping him so busy, it's not worth it anymore. We'll talk about the sword of the Spirit. Okay, that's where that comes in. <laughs> In Matthew chapter 18, verses 18 and 19, Jesus says this, Assuredly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Verse 19, Again I say unto you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. When we come together, we lock our shields, we start praying, guess what Jesus says? This is going to come to pass. This will happen. Corporate faith has that ability to push through. And you know what? In the spirit, you don't have to be together with them right there. Thank God for telephones and everything else. I don't know how many times I've prayed for people over the phone. And I don't know how many times I've had Emily and sometimes even the kids stand there and agree while I'm praying. So I'm sending a barrage of stuff because in the spirit, there's no time or distance. As we're praying, angels are being mobilized, God is doing what He needs to do, things happen. Whenever we do this in the eyes of the enemy, we look like a huge spiritual wall of armor moving across the battlefield, making advances and inroads into areas that he thought would never be conquered. That's God's invincible shield of faith in operation. And what it can actually do if we ever decide to, not just hide behind it, but invade the enemy's territory with it and destroy everything he has worked so hard to establish over the last 6,000 years or so. Hallelujah. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed.